Welcome in, y'all. Welcome in to another episode of the Fan Section Podcast. This is going to be another Fan Section short, as we hopefully today we'll be wrapping up our conference previews for college basketball season. It took a long time, but we got there. We're going to make it happen. So today we are going to be covering the last remaining conferences that I believe have multiple bid opportunities, and then I'll just run through who my conference champion pick is for each of the automatic bid remaining conferences. My name is Tyson Quiller. Thanks for joining us. Please go ahead and get into that mailbag. Send us some feedback. Give us like, five-star reviews. Alan's going to read all the five-star reviews on the podcast. We're going to be meeting up later today to dive back into football. I just wanted to get this basketball content out there at the start of the season, and then we can reshift and refocus back into football. So what we're going to go ahead and do is we're going to start in the West Coast Conference. This is a conference that Gonzaga has dominated for over a decade now, and that's going to continue. I have Gonzaga projected to finish first and win the conference. They are my sixth-ranked team, power rankings in the country. Drew Timmy is a favorite for National Player of the Year. I really thought that there was going to be a bit of a drop-off with them losing Corey Kispert, Jalen Suggs, Joel Ayayi. But, man, did they ever look good against Texas. In comes Chet Holmgren, the number one recruit in the country. He is just a tall, lanky string bean, but he's all over the place. He's kind of like a praying mantis with his arms out everywhere. And I think Drew Timmy put up 37 points in their season opener against Texas. Just unstoppable. And then in the in the backcourt, the combination of Andrew Nemhart and Anton Watson is, is really pretty impressive. They hit some big three-pointers. Texas would make kind of a push to get back into the game. And then, boom, they would knock in a three and pull back ahead. They were ahead probably 10 to 15 points the whole game. It would start to get close, and then Gonzaga would pull away. And that's what elite teams do. They just they put you away, and they keep you away. I have Gonzaga finishing the season 28-2, and 16-0 and 0 in conference. The two games I have them losing, and you got to tip your hat to Gonzaga and Mark Few for their scheduling. They play number 5 Texas, number 2 UCLA, number 9 Duke, number 14 Alabama, all in the first month and a half of the season. Now, granted, their conference schedule is considerably weaker than these other conferences, but I have them losing the game against UCLA and against Duke. Both of them, I think, were very impressive. I think all three of those teams are elite teams. I do think that that they would beat Alabama. So it's going to be interesting here in about a month to see how they match up against UCLA and Duke. Second in the West Coast Conference, I have BYU. Again, I think those two teams... Gonzaga is a clear cut above everyone else, but I think BYU is also a pretty clear cut above the remainder of the conference. Alex Barcelo and Caleb Lohner are back. Seneca Knight comes in from LSU, and they get the transfer Rasir Bolton in from Iowa State. He's a pretty good player. I think BYU is going to be a real contender, pretty impressive and definitely make the NCAA tournament. One of their early tests they already passed was the game against San Diego State. BYU uh, got, went ahead and got the win at home. I have BYU finishing 24-5, and 12-4 in conference play. Their next game is versus Oregon. I don't anticipate that they will win that. I don't think they need to win that. But if they're able to win that game, then I think you, know, you could be looking at a 5 or a 6 seed in the NCAA tournament. And then, you know, this is actually a much improved conference from what you're accustomed to seeing. 
Third in the conference, they have the St. Mary's Gales. They have the least turnover of any team in the conference. Four of their five starters return. Matthias Tass is a fantastic player. You also have the San Francisco Dons, who are a pretty, pretty good team, and Loyola Marymount. I mean, I think this is a two-team, two-bid conference, but there are the next three teams after Gonzaga and BYU. They, they could sneak up and beat BYU, maybe maybe one of, get one win against Gonzaga. I don't believe that that will happen, but we'll sort of see how that plays out. Early season, Gonzaga is playing a lot of impressive and fun teams. Then let's roll into the Mountain West Conference. This, I also believe, is a two-bid league. I think the San Diego State Aztecs, my 33rd ranked team in the country, power rankings, will win the conference. They were first in the conference last year, 23-5, and 14-3 in conference play. Brian Dutcher has this Aztec squad just as a consistent tournament team. They won their last 14 games last season, won the Mountain West Conference Tournament, and earned a sixth seed in the NCAA Tournament. Now, obviously, they went on to lose in the first round to a really surging Syracuse team. They do lose their top three scorers from last year to graduation, so I think the line between San Diego State and the second team I have here, Colorado State, is razor thin, but I give them the nod because of the return of star forward Nathan Mensa. and at 6'10", I mean, he's just a real problem for defenders. And guard Matt Bradley in his senior year is a very reliable point guard. The Aztecs already failed one of their early tests, though. I just mentioned in their loss this week at BYU. I think they need to defeat a down Arizona State squad this Thursday. Otherwise, they could be headed in the wrong direction. Maybe not make the tournament. Maybe go to the NIT instead. Second, and I have them going 24-4, and 16-2 in conference play. Again, a game I already thought that they were going to win. They lost, so you can adjust that by one game. Second in the Mountain West, I have the Colorado State Rams, 46 in my power rankings. They finished third in the conference last year at 20-8, and 14-4 in conference play. You know, they had a pretty strong showing last year, but they got left out of the NCAA tournament, and, and they were a real bubble team. They won two games in the NIT tournament, only to lose to the eventual champion Memphis Tigers. They did just collect a big win over Oral Roberts, which I'm, I'm pretty impressed about in their season opener. That's kind of one of those trap games that you could overlook. Oral Roberts won a couple of games in the NCAA tournament last year. All four of the Rams' top scorers return. And keep your eye on the guard combo of Isaiah Stevens and David Roddy. I think this is clearly the best backcourt in the conference. On December 11th, the Rams will face a much-improved Mississippi State team in the Hall of Fame Classic. If they can win that... I think it could be an early indication of a special season to come for Colorado State. From that point, I think the conference drops off quite a bit. I have Nevada third and and then Utah State fourth. Utah State finished second last year, but their head coach, Craig Smith, moves on to Utah. They lost a ton of production. I really think it's kind of a two-team competition for the Mountain West Conference. And really, Colorado State probably, at this point, if I was to reshuffle my Power rankings, Colorado State would probably be ahead of San Diego State. Next up, we have the American Athletic Conference. This is a conference that I think will get three bids and potentially four. But winning the American Athletic Conference, I have the Houston Cougars. They finished second last year in the conference at 28-4, and 14-3 in conference play. And wow, I am really impressed with what Kelvin Sampson is cooking up in Houston. They only lost three regular season games last year. 
They won their last seven in a row to win the American Conference Tournament, and then, as a two-seed, won their way to the Final Four before falling to the eventual national champion, Baylor Bears. This team was so fun because they played such a unique style of basketball. Every player on the court was kind of like 6'5 to 6'9. They switched everything, played great defense. But two-guard Quentin Grimes and forwards Dejan Giroux and Justin Gorham are off to the NBA. And four-star recruit from last year's class, Caleb Mills, has transferred to Florida State. However, major pieces are returning. Marcus Sasser is back for his junior season and is averaging 25.5 points, four rebounds, and four assists per game so far this year. Fabian White Jr. is back for uh, his super senior season in the low post. And joining him in the front court, in comes four-star recruit from last year's class, Jawan Roberts. You also get Texas Tech transfer Kyler Edwards, and he brings in some more experience and about 14 points, 8 rebounds per game. And Taz Moore, who transfers in from Bakersfield, is a solid ball handler at the point. This team is built in a very much the same fashion as last year's squad. They go about 9 deep, so there will be a tough out for anybody. Houston plays Virginia tonight at home, Butler next Monday at the Maui Gym Invitational, and then at Alabama in, on December 11th. If they can get through that str- stretch unscathed, I think this team is probably ready to make another run to the Final Four. I have them finishing at 26-3, 16-2 in conference play. Second in the American Conference, my number 11 power-ranked team in the country, the Memphis Tigers. Now, they finished third in the conference last year at 20-8, 11-4 in conference play. And Penny Hardaway, you know, he had a young squad last year, getting off to a slow start. But once they got it figured out, they finished the season on a 10-2 run, only to lose to Final Four-bound Houston Cougars in the American Tournament. The Tigers were a Selection Day snub, but they kept their focus and won the NIT Tournament. I think that's pretty impressive. Something that has me a bit concerned about this squad is how much talent left via the transfer portal. It might be an an indication of kind of a culture issue. Uh, Standout point guard Boogie Ellis left for the USC. Power forward DJ Jeffries headed to Mississippi State. And their 6'10 big man, Musa Sisse, who was a five-star recruit last season, has moved on to Oklahoma State. Now, you wouldn't consider any of these a marked upgrade from Memphis, and one of them, Oklahoma State, has a postseason ban this season. So it's not like they left to win a championship. Kind of confusing. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. However, the Tigers' leading scorers back from last season, Landers Noli, and joining him is the number five-ranked recruit in the country, Imani Bates. He has been really impressive so far in the low post. This team has plenty of firepower to reload. However, all of that turnover could make it difficult for them to mesh right away. Memphis gets Alabama and Tennessee at home back-to-back in mid-December. They have the skill and the potential, but you know I have more confidence in Kelvin Sampson's Houston squad this season than I do in Memphis. I have them finishing 24-5, and 14-4 in conference play. Third in the American Conference, the number 44-ranked power-ranking team in the country, the Wichita State Shockers. Now, they won the American Athletic Conference last year kind of by, you know, uh, kind of by screwy rules because they just barely played any basketball games at all. But Greg Marshall resigned as head coach on November 17th, and it took the Shockers all the way until December 2nd to finally get on the court as they struggled mightily with COVID last year. Generally, this type of situation would make me cautious of a team. However, once they got on the court, they just won. 
This is a team that won the American Conference regular season last year, made the NCAA tournament, and they only played 22 games. Four of the Shockers' top five scorers from last season are back for this very guard-heavy team. Tyson Etienne was a co-American Conference Player of the Year last year, averaging 16 points per game. You also have Dexter Dennis, who's averaging 10.5 points and 8 rebounds per game this year. And in comes freshman small forward Ricky Council out of Durham, North Carolina. How they were able to pull him out of underneath Duke and North Carolina, I'm, I'm pretty impressed by that grab for Wichita State. Outside of Kenny Pohoto, though, who is a, the freshman from Sweden, the Shockers don't have a single player over the height of six foot eight. There's a real size concern on the squad. You know, however, their leading rebounder from last season, Morris Udeze, is also back, but he only goes six eight. Wichita State gets Arizona at the Roman main event on Friday. Their next two games are both on the road versus, versus Missouri and Oklahoma State. They will probably need to win all three of those if they want to get selected come March because they won't be able, I don't think, to match up with the juggernauts of Houston and Memphis in the conference. I do have all three of these teams making my conference or my NCAA tournament field. I have the Shockers finishing 23 and 6, 13 and 5 in conference play. Fourth in the American Conference, I have the SMU Mustangs. They finished fourth last year, 11 and 6 on the season, 7 and 4 in conference play. Now, SMU had 11 games last season canceled or postponed. They were only able to get 15 games in before postseason play. So ultimately, they got the invite to the NIT tournament, and then they lost in the first round of the NIT. I don't see much momentum on the side of the Mustangs this season. I think they just, you know, could maybe be a bubble team, but they showed last year that they just kind of don't have the discipline to attain their goals. I have the Mustangs finishing 22-8, and 12-6 in conference play. They're probably on the outside of the NCAA tournament. Fifth in the American, I have the Cincinnati Bearcats. They also finished fifth last season with a 12-11 and 11 record, 8-6. and six. You know, I just think the Bearcats are in a bit of a rebuild, to be honest. Keith Williams transferred to Western Kentucky. Tari Eason transferred to LSU. And you lose your big man, Chris Vogt. I mean, they'll be lucky to make the NIT tournament, I think, this year because they do have a pretty tough schedule this season. And rounding out the rest of the American Conference, I have the Central Florida Knights, who are, you know, a team on the rise. And they don't really lose anybody off of the team that played significant minutes last year. I wouldn't be surprised to see UCF finish ahead of Cincinnati or maybe even SMU as well. That, I think, is really the only other team from the American Conference that is worth note. So with that being said, let's move to the Big East. And I have five teams getting bids out of the Big East to the NCAA tournament. And so let's just start right here with the Villanova Wildcats. I think at this point it's safe to say I underrated this team. I have them as 18 in my power rankings. They, they finished first in the Big East last year, 18 and 7, 11 and 4 in conference. Villanova only made it to the Sweet 16 last year before losing to the eventual national champion Baylor Bears. But Jay Wright's squad reloads. They get Colin Gillespie back from injury, and they played really tough against UCLA, uh, and they get uh, Baylor on the road as well. But, you know, those are some tough games. And then they get to play against number 18, Tennessee. Now, let me tell you, after watching that game against UCLA the other day, I mean, Villanova, I think, is for real, and UCLA is definitely for real. It's going to take an exceptional effort and great coaching to beat either of those teams this year. Impossible, no, but those two teams are very disciplined. I think that's what kind of distinguishes them. They don't make mistakes. 
I have UCLA projected to lose three games. I'm projecting Villanova to lose four. When the road team pushes it to overtime, like Villanova did, and loses, I think the only analysis I can have is that these teams are basically even. Now, with that being said, UCLA was playing without their spark plug center, Cody Riley, who was out with a knee injury. I'm confident that UCLA is the real deal, and I think I'm also confident that Villanova is damn tough. But here's something that I did learn. Villanova only played six players in that game. I'm marginally concerned about their depth. Their world-class power forward, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who led the team in scoring and rebounds last year, now plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. The other four leading scorers for the Wildcats, though, do return for another run at this. Only one of their key players left, Cole Swinder, transferred to Syracuse. But as I mentioned, Colin Gillespie returns at guard and is projected to be a first-team All-Big East player. Personally, I think Justin Moore is the more impressive guard in this loaded team. Through two games, the 6'4 guard, who was the third leading scorer for Villanova last year, is averaging 20.5 points per game and almost five assists per game. The guard play on this team is just phenomenal. In his senior season at forward, Jermaine Samuels is wreaking havoc so far to the tune of 19 points and six rebounds per game. Senior Brandon Slater appears ready to take a big step forward as well for the Wildcats in the post. He has put up 14 points and collected five rebounds per game so far this season. I think the real question for the last few years has been the inside play. Well, this year they return outstanding guard play, but in the front court, there's the question again. If they can sure up the play under the hoop, this could be a Final Four team. They've already lost to UCLA, like I mentioned, but they get another primetime matchup this Saturday when they face off with Tennessee in the Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off classic. I think if they can get past that hurdle, they get Syracuse and then Baylor in back-to-back games in early December. That'll be a tough stretch, but but again, you know, this team, I think, like Gonzaga, has scheduled very tough early. I think it'll make them better when they reach the postseason. I'm feeling very strongly that I undervalued this team after watching their first two games. I have the Villanova Wildcats finishing the season 26-4, and 18-2 in conference play. Second in the Big East, I have the Connecticut Huskies. They finished third last year, 15-8, and 11-6 in conference play. You know, Connecticut pulled off a 14-6 regular season record and lost in the second round of the Big East tournament last year to Creighton. The Huskies somehow earned a seven seed by that resume, and then they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. In this offseason, Connecticut's best player, James Booknight, bounced to the NBA. But outside of him, you know, Dan Hurley returns all of his major weapons. The two coaches that preceded Hurley, Kevin Ollie and Jim Calhoun, combined for four national titles. So Hurley is well aware of the standard out east. This year, I think this is one of my real dark horse teams. With all the returning depth, talent, and maturity, they may have the structure to make a deep run in March. Connecticut's next seven leading scorers return from last year's squad, including the fifth-ranked recruit in New Jersey in the 2020 class, 6'9 forward Adam Sonogo. Through two games this season, Sonogo is putting up 20 points and seven rebounds per game as a sophomore. Junior guard Jalen Gaffney is averaging 10 points and almost three assists per game this year. And to continue the trend of young talent, sophomore guard Andre Jackson is putting up six points and eight rebounds per game as well. The senior guard, R.J. Cole, provides some experience in the backcourt, and Isaiah Whaley does the same in the frontcourt. Whaley is a super senior and has been at UConn for five years now, averaged 8.6 rebounds and almost three blocks per game last year. Tyrese Martin will be relied on for some of the outside jump shot presence. He's averaging 66% from three-point range this season. They have all cylinders 
clicking right now. Each of the pieces are coming together, and I really don't think Book Knight's, you know, the loss of Book Knight will be all that much of a factor. UConn plays a very talented Auburn squad at the Bad Boy uh, Mowers Battle for Atlantis on November 24th. I think if they're able to pull off that win, UConn just may be the threat that I think they can be this year. I have UConn finishing 23-6, and 16-4 and in conference play. Third in the Big East, I have the Seton Hall Pirates. Now, they finished fifth last year at 14-13, and 10-9 in conference play. The Seton Hall Pirates seem to be realizing their potential last season as they got out to a 13-8 and start, but after losing five of their last six games, they fell short of the NCAA tournament. Entering this season, the Pirates' leading scorer, Sandro Mamushkevile, has moved on to the NBA, but the second and third leading scorers from last year's team return in guard Jared Roden and Miles Kale for their senior seasons. The pair have Seton Hall poised to battle through the season with a veteran backcourt. Syracuse transfer sophomore guard Kaderi Richmond will be, I think, a very key piece off the bench, and junior forward Tyree Samuel brings experience to the front court as well. The Hall has an absolutely brutal non-conference schedule. They play at Michigan. Their next game is Ohio State at home. Then they get Texas at home, followed by a scrappy Rutgers squad. And then one of the better mid-major teams in uh, Rick Pitino coached Iona. You know, I, I think that's going to be a tough stretch leading into league play. The talent level of this unit is not a dramatic drop-off from Connecticut, I don't think. But the difficulty of the schedule, I think they're going to have to fight to make the NCAA tournament. But they have the talent to get there. So I have Seton Hall finishing the season with a record of 23-7, and 16-4. But like I mentioned, there's a lot of toss-up games in there. Next, in the Big East, I have the Xavier Musketeers. They finished 7th last year with a record of 13-8, and 6-7 and seven on the seat, uh, in conference play. The Musketeers had 11 games last year either canceled or postponed. After starting out the season 11-2, they lost 6 of their last 8 games and missed out on postseason play. This season, Xavier has probably the deepest team in the conference. Returning leading scorer forward Zach Fremantle is recovering from foot surgery right now, but is expected to return to the team on December 1st. Senior guard Paul Scruggs is the unquestioned leader of this veteran squad. He has 20 points, 4.5 assists, and 6 rebounds per game so far this year, which is just outstanding. I think Xavier can rotate 9 players deep pretty easy. When they get Fremantle back, I think you'll see that they are certainly a tournament team come March. I have Xavier finishing 22-8, and 15-5 in conference play. Depending on a couple of games and how they go, Xavier might finish third in the conference ahead of Seton Hall. I have them really, really close. Next, I have the St. John's Red Storm. They finished fourth in the conference last season at 16-11, 10-9 in conference play. The Red Storm were a bubble team last year. They probably could have played their way into the NCAA tournament, but they lost in the first round of the Big East tournament to Georgetown, and Georgetown obviously went on to win the Big East tournament and steal an automatic bid. Junior guard Julian Champagne returns after leading the Big East in scoring last season with 19.8 points per game. They're going to pair him uh, in the backcourt with sophomore Posh Alexander, who was the team's second-leading scorer last season, and he's averaging eight assists per game this season so far. Tariq Coburn is a reliable rotational guard as well, so you might see him worked into the lineup. Also back is 6'11 center Joel Soriano, who averaged 10 points and 9 rebounds last season, 
and in comes the number five recruit in the uh, out of the state of Kansas, power forward Omar Staley. This is a young and talented team. The future is bright, I think, for the Red Storm. They play at Indiana tomorrow. That will be an important one for both teams, Indiana and St. John's, when it comes down to selection Sunday. I have St. John's going 22-9, and 14-6 in conference play. I have them in the tournament field. Five total teams I have in the tournament field for the Big East. Then we move to Creighton. Creighton finished second in the Big East last year, 22-9, and 14-6 in conference play. They actually performed pretty well in the NCAA tournament. But the Blue Jays lose their top five scorers. I mean, they did just have their highest rec- recruiting class ever, but I don't think they are ready yet. This is going to be a step-back season for Creighton. Maybe they make the NIT. I think I've got them projected at 18-11, and 10-10 in conference play. Now, rapid fire the rest of the conference. I then have the Butler Bulldogs. I think the only proven commodity is that Chuck Harris is fantastic. He led the team in scoring as a freshman, but he will he get the support necessary to sustain the team? I'm not sure. Then we've got Marquette. I mean, you know how Shaka Smart does. This team is one year away, I think. The Golden Eagles have eight new players this season, so a total turnover. I think they'll be an NCAA tournament team next season. That's how much confidence I have in Shaka Smart. Then I have the Providence Friars. Second to last, the Georgetown Hoyas. You know, Georgetown finished eighth last year, 13-3 and three on the season, 7-9 and nine in conference play. They made an amazing push late in the season, won the Big East Conference title uh, or tournament, like I said, uh, and ended up you know, getting an invite to the NCAA tournament. But they got straight beat down by Colorado in the tourney. I think, unfortunately, for head coach Patrick Ewing, the players seem to have used the opportunity. Uh, the players on that team seem to use the opportunity to not grow the Hoyas for next year, but rather to try out for other teams. Qantas Wahab has transferred to Maryland. Jamorco Pickett decided to try his hand in the NBA. And the highly recruited sophomore guard, TJ Berger, transferred to San Diego. Group that with the team's leading scorer last year, Javon Blair, who graduated. And I just for the Hoyas, the cupboard is very bare. I do think they're going to drop down towards the bottom of the conference this year. And then last in the conference, as always, the DuPaul Blue Demons, DePaul has finished last in this conference five years in a row now. That is really bad. Uh, The streak, I think, continues. All right, now we're going to run through rapid fire. The conference champions of the conferences that I haven't gotten to yet. uh, Champion of the A-10 conference, I have St. Bonaventure going 25-3. Champion of the Missouri Valley Conference, I have Loyola Chicago going 25-3. That, I think, is going to be a more competitive conference than it may have been in years past because I also have Drake from the Missouri Valley Conference making the NCAA tournament as well. Champion of Conference USA, I have UAB. They're going to be, I project, an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament. The remaining conference champions are automatic bids that will be very low seeds. Starting at the 12 seed, I have the Patriot champion Colgate. The MAC champion, Ohio. Summit conference champion, Oral Roberts. Ohio Valley conference champion, Belmont Bruins. The WAC conference champion, Grand Canyon Antelopes. Big West conference champion, I have UC Santa Barbara. The Southern conference champion, I have Furman. Horizon, Wright State. Big Sky, Weber State. From the Colonial, I have the Hofstra Pride. From the MAAC, I have Iona. Sunbelt, I have Georgia State. From the Big South, I have Winthrop. From the American East Conference, I have the Vermont Catamounts. Atlantic Sun, I have the Liberty Flames. 
out of the Ivy League, Harvard, out of the SWAC, Texas Southern, out of the Northeast Conference, I have Bryant, out of the Southland Conference, I have Nichols State, and last and finally, out of the MEAC, Norfolk State Spartans. So with all of that being said, we made it through, we got all of our previews in, Let's sit back and enjoy some college basketball. Thank you for tuning in, as always, to the Fan Section Podcast, and we are out.